Welcome, Mosaic. We are so glad that you are here with us tonight. It just blesses my heart to be in this room with you. We are on week nine of our Spiritual Rhythms series. And I don't know about you, but I have just loved this series. For me, it's just been a really awesome time this summer to be really intentional about re-engaging in some of these spiritual practices that may have kind of fallen on the wayside in my life. And so I hope that that's been your experience too. Um, just choosing a couple of them to plug back into and hopefully you've been doing that and seeing the fruit of drawing near to God through these spiritual practices. And how cool is it that we get to come together every Saturday night and we get to practice these spiritual rhythms together in the context of our services. So would you stand with us? And we're gonna start our night by worshiping through prayer. We're gonna sing the Lord's Prayer together, okay? And I'm gonna need a little bit of your help. We get a little bit excited during this one. So here we go. Get those hands ready. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right, let's pray this together. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Keep those hands going. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here. Give us this day, give us this day of daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Let your kingdom come. Take it Hey, y'all can have a seat. Uh, my name is Kyle Jackson, and I am the worship team leader here, uh, which is so fun that I get to actually be in the choir tonight. I usually don't get to do that. Um, I just want to 
say something really quick that's really special to me. This is Russell Dorch. Do you guys know who Russell Dorch is? Um, one of the things at Fellowship, we, we're not big on making uh, a big deal about people, but this is a big deal for me to get to sit under the leadership of Russell Dorch because he was the very first Mosaic worship, worship pastor. Uh, so it's, <laughs> he said a long time ago, uh, but it's really not that, not that long ago. But it's just a special thing about our church is that um, here I am today as, as the worship worship pastor, and I still get to serve alongside Russ, and it just, it speaks volumes of uh, the health of this church, and I'm just grateful for your leadership. Um, hey, I want to talk us through a couple things we've got going on. Let me pull out my notes here, because I usually don't get at talking unless I have an instrument in my hand. Um, so one second here. So uh, if you are a guest, uh, we would love to welcome you in. Uh, text Mo New to this phone number, and we would love to get you connected. This will go to our staff uh, and we will, we'll get you plugged in wherever you need to be. Uh, next, I would love to talk about Grief Share. So this is one of my favorite ministries here at Fellowship. And if you have lost a loved one or someone close to you, this is an opportunity for you to connect with people. I know that sounds probably pretty scary, uh, but it is one of the most special things that, that we have to offer here at Fellowship. So that we're beginning a Grief Share group on Tuesday, August 8th. We'll have two options and just email Colette Johnson or go to our website to get signed up. And uh, next, I would love to share something that I want you to really turn your ears on for to, to hear this. We need you to help us be a church. And with that means we need you to help us serve. So uh, specifically on our worship team, we would love to have you. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna really highlight it because I have a microphone. So I'm gonna uh, talk about how badly we need uh, people to serve with our worship team. And this means tech production, prayer team, um, hospitality team, or anywhere else um, that, that you might want to plug in on the church, check out our website. But uh, I want to minimize the thought of they've got it covered. Uh, we, they don't need me because we don't have it covered. Uh, we really need you to be a part of what's going on here. Uh, and next, I want to talk about or just highlight something that happened this past week with our uh, family swim night. Here's some photos that we have just of a special time together. I think this really highlights just how special of a community bond we have together. So just check out these pictures from last week. Uh, it was pretty awesome. And uh, finally, I would love to uh, just highlight something that we're trying to do as a, a church. And I can see tonight that we'll have uh, these two prayer sections in the back corners of the room. And uh, they're labeled. And essentially, the, we want to be a church that's cultivating healthy prayer uh, in our services, in our small groups. And uh, it's, it's essential uh, to be a healthy church for us to be a church that's praying. So in these back sections, we've labeled them prayer sections. If you end up sitting in one of these sections, um, our staff or some of our volunteers will approach you uh, to pray with you. And that's not even just after the service, that's during the service. Um, and we wanna invite you, if you need prayer at any time during the service to just, just move to the back and we have some people keeping eyes on it. And we would love to pray with you to connect, but would you just join us in this as we're trying to cultivate um, a culture of prayer in our services? So that being said, church, would you stand with me as we pray uh, tonight? This is for our offering. Would you just say this aloud with me? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your son, and your spirit. Amen. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is.
believers in Jesus Christ, um, it's so vital for us to take time for the rhythm of reading the word. I don't know about you, sometimes I feel this pressure or this guilt when I don't read the word. Um, and sometimes that actually makes it harder for me to read the word. Um, Cause maybe when I come to the word, I'm not enjoying it like I should be. Um, but the truth is the reason we as believers engage the written word is because in it we meet the living word, Jesus Christ. So even if we can't see it, even if it's only infinitesimal, the Lord, he is faithful to change us every time we engage his word because it's living and active and it's where we meet the living word. For in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God.
praise you tonight in this place. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us. When we see all that you've done, we can't. God, thank you for your presence. Would you focus our hearts and our minds on you tonight? Would you help us to set aside all the distractions of this life that would pull our attention away from you? God, would you teach us how to simplify our lives and still our minds so that we can rest in your presence and just be fully known and loved by you? Lord, we offer you our attention. We offer you our hearts, Lord. We love you, God. Amen. couple of weeks ago in his teaching on solitude and silence, Colin Jackson gave us a valuable insight on the significance of having intentional, private, quiet time with God. It's a critical part of being in relationship with Jesus. But life can be so noisy and distracting, can't it? And there are real responsibilities that need to be addressed. But the problem is, those distractions and those responsibilities, they want all of you. And too often, they totally consume life's agenda. But my friends, Jesus calls us to something so much more. Something real, something more powerful. Because you see, when we strive to chase after the have-tos, without having a genuine connection with Jesus, we're often limited to our abilities, our ability to make things happen. But God, he doesn't share our limits. And so when we embrace the rhythms of solitude and silence, we tap into the wellspring of our hope, the wellspring of our rest and of our strength, the boundless nature of our God. You know, I think about the story of Mary and Martha from Luke 10, when they opened up their home to Jesus and his disciples. 
You know, Martha, she was preoccupied with all the preparations and Mary, she chose something different. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and just to listen. Martha's response, she was ticked. Jesus, make my sister help me. I'm carrying all this weight by myself. But Jesus' response from verse 41, he said, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. By being still at Jesus' feet, Mary was able to quiet the noise in her life and to focus on her relationship with Jesus. And with a quieted heart, she made a better choice. And it led to a deeper intimacy and a deeper connection with a limitless God. I don't know what each of you are carrying tonight, but we wanted to give you some precious moments just to quiet the noise. And as Cassie sings, I want to invite you to go to that place that only you and Jesus share and just sit before him and just listen.
Fellowship for about 14 years, and we have three kids, Carlos, Carrington, and Faith. We lead a community group in West Bentonville with Nico and Nicole Martinez, and want to welcome anyone that needs a community group to come join us. And this is the word. Psalm 92, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know and the fool cannot understand this that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Matt and Amy. Good evening, family. My name is Scott Jones. I love the wave. My name is Scott Jones. I'm the student team leader here. And we have so many of our former and current high school students in the choir that I just love watching them worship. Love you guys. Um, I walked back in the green room a little bit ago and they were playing Mario Kart on a Nintendo Switch down on the floor. And I thought, this feels like a very student-led night. Um, hey, tonight is on the Sabbath. Uh, the, like Laura said, the ninth rhythm of our rhythm series and I bet a lot of us have ideas of what the Sabbath is. I bet some of us even have practices of Sabbath being implemented in our lives, and some of us maybe not. I hope tonight is new in some way or at the very least refreshing for you. The Sabbath um, is something that I don't do too great practicing. And um, as I was studying for this teaching, I was convicted um, at how beautiful it really is. So I wanna prepare our hearts with a, a scripture that I think is important to start on. This isn't gonna be on the screen, I'm just gonna read this to you. This is in Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount, so the part, where, uh, the part of Matthew, the beginning, where Jesus is giving his first big sermon. You might recognize the Beatitudes are at the beginning of this sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, um, et cetera. So in Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching and he says, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and surpasses that of the teachers of the law, then you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
I recall just from growing up in church, I recall learning as a kid about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And I recall that specifically regarding the Sabbath, that they seem to get things wrong. I recall some conversations where Jesus is engaging them in correction as they're trying to call him out for working on the Sabbath or doing too many things or lifting his hands or lifting his feet or healing people. And I remember him correcting them. The Sabbath is not about what you cannot do, but rather the Sabbath is about what you can do in the kingdom of God. The Sabbath is for the Lord and our worship of him. So let's just remember before we go into the Sabbath teaching that some of us might have some preconceived ideas about the Sabbath, what we're not allowed to do on the Sabbath, what we need to abstain from or keep ourselves from, and some of us might have some ideas of the things that we should be doing on the Sabbath. And while actions and disciplines are great, this is a rhythm series, tonight's not gonna be on what you should or shouldn't do on the Sabbath. Because even the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, students of the word, were getting it wrong. We're getting it very wrong. Jesus had something else to say. Okay, so there's this picture that really doesn't have a whole lot of meaning other than I thought it showed um, a beautiful representation of the heavens. Because we're starting tonight at the very beginning where most teachings start in Genesis. Um, and I have a little, a little excerpt from a book that I was reading that Matt Neitzel gave me on the Sabbath. But before I read this excerpt, um, I wanna remind you in regarding creation, the creation story, um, the days were kind of split up into pairs, okay? So we had day one and day four that were linked together through the creation of light or the creation of, of stars, of luminaires. That's day one and day four. Then we have day two and day five that were linked together by the creation of water and the beings in it. And then we have days three and six that are linked together through the creation of the soil, the earth, the dust, and the vegetation and the animals that ruled and reigned and lived on the earth. And then we have day seven, the odd-numbered day that sits by itself. Listen to this little passage from this book. I, I have uh, my Pike Pass bill as my little stopper here. At the beginning, at the beginning, time was one. Time was eternal. But time divided, time eternal, would be unrelated to the world of space. So time was divided into seven days and entered into an intimate relationship with the world of space. With every single day, another realm of things came into being, except for on the seventh day. The Sabbath was a lonely day. It may be compared to a king who had seven sons. To six of those sons, he gave his wealth. But to the youngest son, the lonely son, he endowed him with nobility, with the prerogative of royalty. The six older sons who were commoners found their mates, but the noble last son remained without a mate. After the work of creation was completed, the seventh day pleaded, master of the universe, all that thou hast created is in couples. To every day of the week thou gavest a mate, only I was left alone. And God answered, the community of Israel will be your mate. This is not the word of the Lord. This is a fictional story by a man named Abraham Joshua Heschel who has written a lot of books and he's a prominent Jewish figure in America. And this is his take, his fictional take on how the Sabbath came into being. These six sons of a king who were all given their wealth and the final son who was given his royalty. Notice it wasn't the first son given the royalty, but the final one. Sounds like the Beatitudes, doesn't it? When Moses uh, gave his people the 10 Commandments, he said to them, remember the Sabbath day and sanctify it. That word sanctify in the Hebrew, that word means to consecrate. Specifically used many times in consecrating a woman to betroth, to become married, to take a bride. 
So it's kind of like Israel's destiny, the destiny of God's people, is to be the groom of this bride that is the Sabbath. As the other six sons or the other six days had a partner, the seventh day cried out, God, who is my partner? And he said, just like what happens with the bride, I've set you apart Sabbath day and I've made you holy and I've prepared you for my people. So let's go into a couple passages on the Sabbath to talk a little bit more specifically about what the Sabbath is, okay? Uh, Genesis 2, verses one through three, if we start at the very beginning yet again, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You know, seventh, that word seven comes from a Hebrew root also meaning to be complete, to be full, to be finished. So at the very beginning, the creation of the Sabbath, it somehow has to do with completion. Not only in the completion of creation in which God rested, but maybe also foreshadowing the completion that his son, that the Messiah would bring about for his people. The very beginning with the creation of the Sabbath, the seventh day at the end of the week, we see foreshadowing. We see little hints of God's character to finish what he started. How faithful he is. We also see that Adam was not commanded to abstain from work. When the Sabbath first began, when it first was consecrated, it was not about abstaining from work. No, God rested from his work as he pulled back and basked in the beauty and called the day holy. You know just as well as I that God does not need to rest. He does not get tired. And yet on that day, he found rest. He enjoyed rest by pulling back and honoring what was holy. Okay, let's move on to Exodus. So if we saw in Genesis that the Sabbath maybe has something to do with completion, also has something to do with holiness, and God rested on that day. Let's go um, into the book of Exodus where we've kind of seen the Sabbath play out with God's people for a little while now. So um, at this point in scripture, God's people have been led by Abraham um, through the Abrahamic covenant. They, they've become enslaved in Egypt. Um, they've been freed from Egypt. And at this point, God's people have been told under that covenant, that Abrahamic covenant, that they will bless the entire world that a family would come from Abraham, that family would become a nation, and that nation would bless the world, all peoples on earth. Whoever blessed it would be blessed, and whoever cursed that nation would be cursed. And then in Exodus, Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the law, the law ushering in a new covenant, the Mosaic law. In Exodus 20, verses eight through 11, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So this is where the abstination from work is commanded. We must abstain. This is not a day to do, 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 to complete, complete, complete. This is a day for God to be set aside for holiness. Why? I think because if this is a day set aside for God's holiness, then this is not a day for our pride. And we are given ample opportunity, ample opportunity to rule and reign in this world by our own power by our own strength. We're commanded to it. We're commanded to work, right? But here we are commanded to abstain from work, thereby recognizing God as more powerful. Israel didn't do very good with it. 
They didn't do a very good job of abstaining from the work, at least in the proper way in their heart. They still were succumbed, overwhelmed by their pride continually. And we see through the story of the Old Testament, the people of God constantly walking away from his calling, constantly walking outside of the realm of his holiness and righteousness. One more passage in Isaiah, moving forward into the Old Testament, Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is not a fast day. It's a feast day. This is not a day where we despise the things of our life. Not a day where we despise the things of the world, but it's a day where we delight. We don't despise the things of our life, but we delight in the Lord. The Sabbath day is not a day to reject Everything we can possibly reject in our life so as to empty ourselves enough to be good for a day, to breathe for a day, to rest for a day. Yeah, we need the rest. We do. I'm always thinking about how convicted I am by my friends who have kids. I'm just a youth pastor who doesn't have any kids and still feels overwhelmed and tired all the time. I can't imagine what it would be like to have children and have that entirely other weight of responsibility on my life. And yet I know that if I did, I would probably be able to do it. I probably would. I've seen a lot of you do it. We're tired. We need rest, but we can do a lot. The Sabbath is not a day for getting rid of all the things so we can breathe. The Sabbath is a day of feasting on the things of God, thereby being able to rest. I think, what is the Sabbath? It can be summed up best by just saying the Sabbath is holy. The Sabbath is holy. Genesis, the verse that we read, said that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Exodus said, remember the seventh day by keeping it holy. The verse in Isaiah said two times the Lord's holy day. So what if the Sabbath is not necessarily about our habits, but about his holiness? Isn't it interesting that when the Sabbath day was set aside in the story of creation, and when it was called holy, that means that time and space was the thing that was regarded as holy. That all these other days, all these things were created. Things that we as image bearers are called to subdue and reign over and create with and work and toil with. I mean, the fact that I'm holding an iPad right now and we're sitting in this incredible room and we drove cars here is a result of us subduing the earth, ruling over the earth. And yet there's this one day a week that God has set aside time as holy. Interesting that time is the thing that we can't control, the thing that we can't manipulate, the thing we can't change. What if the Sabbath day is not just another day to, to, by our own strength, do or not do the things we should or shouldn't do, but what if the Sabbath day is this whole other thing, this time in the week that we pull ourselves back and recognize how powerless we are, For as much as we work, as much as we serve, as much as we create, as much as we toil, we do not have control because time is above us. Time, God has said, is holy. I wanna talk about this idea of holiness for a second. That book that I just read, there's there's a couple quotes that I wanna read to you from that book. When a day like Wednesday arrives, the hours are blank. 
And unless we lend significance to them, they remain without character. The hours of the seventh day are significant in themselves. Their significance and beauty do not depend on any work, on any profit or progress that we may achieve. They have the beauty of grandeur. This Sabbath is a sanctuary that we build. It's a sanctuary in time. These other days of the week, we lend significance to these days by doing exactly what God has told us to do. Behaving like him. Creating and ruling and reigning. And glorifying him in it. And yet this last day, there's beauty of grandeur just in the significance of this day being set aside. That we would give time back to the Lord because it is something we cannot control. Great are the laws that govern the processes of nature, yet without holiness, there would be neither greatness nor nature. God gives us six days to just be like him and have our way in this world, glorifying him while we do it. And then asks us to recognize that without holiness, without his character, none of this would exist. None of this would be. There's this quote, what stuck out to me, the ability to calm your soul and wait before God is one of the most difficult things in the Christian life. Our old nature is restless. The world around us is frantically in a hurry. But a restless heart usually leads to a reckless life. A restless heart usually leads to a reckless life. So if the Sabbath is about holiness, It's about setting aside this day, consecrating this day, that we would live this day completely in submission to God and trust of him, not by our own merit, even setting aside the things that we work and toil over to give him time and space with us. And how does this day become different than the rest of our life? The rest of our lives that are often so restless and then leading to recklessness. I think it's about reverence. Because I think reverence leads to rest. We continue to fall into the pattern just like the Israelite people of restless behavior that leads to reckless living. And so how do we fix that? Not by forcing ourselves into rest. Not by our own power just figuring out how to rest better, but by taking on a posture of reverence before the Lord. A reverence for his holiness, open-handed awe for who he is and what he's done, and then taking on his rest like a gift. Isaiah 61 tells us how to do this. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he's clothed me with garments of salvation and he's arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Might I remind you for a moment of our identity as the bride of Christ? Might I just remind you of what he's done? Holiness is not something we achieve. It's not something we do, friends. Might I remind you that he has adorned us. He has made us beautiful. He has justified us by our faith only through his grace and sanctifies us, prepares us, for the wedding feast, not the wedding fast from the world, the wedding feast in his greatness. And also, I love the idea that we're not just the bride of Christ, but he's kind of through the Sabbath day allowed us to walk in his character of groom. He set aside space and time in our lives, rhythmically and set it aside for us as our bride, asking us to take it in, to welcome it, 
like a groom does his wife. You know, there's a Jewish song that was sung, that is sung often at Seder dinner in preparation of the Passover. And that song welcomes in the bride by a man named Lecha Dodi in like the 15th century or something. He wrote this song, and the song has become a Jewish tradition. I'm gonna read this song over us. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Observe and remember in a single command the one God announced to us. The Lord is one and his name is one for fame, for glory, and for praise. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Come, let us go meet the Sabbath, for it is a source of blessing. From the very beginning it was ordained, last in creation, but first in God's plan. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Shrine of the king, royal city, arise. Come forth from thy ruins. Long enough have you dwelt in the veil of tears. He will show you abundant mercy. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Are you hearing what's repeated? Shake off your dust. Arise. Put your glorious garments, my people, and pray. Be near to my soul and redeem it through the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Bestir yourself, bestir yourself, for your light has come. Arise and shine, awake, awake, utter a song. The Lord's glory is revealed to you. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Be not ashamed nor confounded. Why are you downcast? Why do you moan? The afflicted of my people will be sheltered within you. The city shall be rebuilt on its ancient site. Come, my friend. To meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. Those who despoiled you shall become a spoil, and all who devour you shall be far away. Your God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. So come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. You shall extend to the right and to the left, and you shall revere the Lord. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Let us welcome the Sabbath. The congregation at this point in the song now turns, rises, rises from their seats and turns and faces the door as if to welcome the guest. So let's do that together. We're about to go back into worship. Let's stand. This is so funny and weird, I know. Will you turn and will you look at the door? <laughs> turn away from me. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. So as the congregation, the Jewish people would turn and look toward the door, they're welcoming in the Sabbath day. They're welcoming in this bride of holiness that's been adorned for them. And this last phrase, this last verse says, come in peace, crown of God, come with joy and come with cheerfulness. Amidst the faithful of the chosen people, come, O bride, come, O bride. You can turn back and face me. Come, my friend, to meet the bride. Come, let us welcome the Sabbath. Let me pull up Isaiah 58 just one more time for you up on the screen. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you call the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will call you to ride in triumph on the heights and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. To feast on the inheritance of our father Jacob the forefather of our faith, who is known for his pride and his arrogance, who God told, I love you and will bless you for you have wrestled with me. You will receive my grace and you will receive my mercy. And I encourage you friends to find good habits that you can do on the Sabbath, but not just good habits to rest, 
I encourage you with your roommates or your family or your friends to find habits that help you revere the Lord. Revere the Lord. That help you tangibly experience his holiness. Because just as God has adorned us as his bride to call us into himself and welcome us into his kingdom, he's asked us to adorn the Sabbath, to consecrate it as holy, to bring it near and to enjoy it. We're about to go into communion. You'll come get the elements as the song is playing. Feel free to sing in line if you want to. Come get the elements on your own and then hold them. Um, and after like the third verse or something, I'm gonna lead us through taking the elements together, okay? As a call to worship together before we go into song, let's say this formation prayer together. God, we join with your church throughout history in studying rhythms that will help us live and love more like you. Help us for we are prone to doing too little, withholding parts of ourselves from you. Father, expand our hearts. Help us for we are prone to doing too much, trusting in our own accomplishments. Spirit, teach us to rest. Give us the patience and perseverance we need to trust your work as you shape us into the likeness of your perfect son. In Jesus' name, amen.
think everyone's gone through the line. We hold the elements together, remembering the body of Christ, which was broken for us, the blood of Christ, which was shed for us, feeling tangibly in our hands, the symbol in our hands of God's holiness. And with gratitude, with gratitude in our hearts, welcoming in His holiness, welcoming in the Sabbath, this rhythm He's called us to, of adorning this day, this time and space that is above our comprehension and control, adorning it, and the jewels and the beauty it deserves is being set aside as holy. So take the blood, or take the bread, Take the blood shed for us and eat and drink. God, we give you glory for your gifts. We give you glory for the cross. We give you glory for your sacrifice, for promising to complete the work you started. We give you glory for you are holy, Lord. And we are not holy on our own terms, but we have been made holy and called holy by you. Help us to take in your Sabbath day to find rest in the ways that we revere you and practice reverence before your throne. All the idols, all the distractions, take them away. You are the focus. Amen. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. gift it is to worship our holy God together. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for this time together. 
Hey, we'd love to pray with you tonight. We, like Kyle said earlier, we have space reserved in the back where our staff and prayer team would love to pray with you before, during, and after services. And if you're new tonight, or if you just have questions about Mosaic, I encourage you to go to the foyer, to the info booth, and we have people that would love to talk with you and help you know how to get connected here at Mosaic. So Mosaic, as we go, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people say, Good night, Mosaic. We love you.